Happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We give honor to Bishop Myers. He's still a little froggy, so he asked me to teach this morning. Still having a little trouble with his voice, so continue to keep him in prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. That just simply means don't be led out of the way. Jesus is the way, amen, the truth and the life. Don't be deceived. Don't be led away, amen. Don't stray away. It's not a time to draw back, but it's time to draw closer to the Lord, amen. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revelers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Aren't you thankful for the redemption power of the Lord? That's what I want to talk about, redemption. Verse 11 says, but ye are washed... But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just go to the Lord and ask him to be with us in this Bible study this morning. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your goodness and for your mercies. You are great, O God, and greatly to be praised. We love you. We believe in you. We trust in you, Lord, and ask that you would speak to our hearts. Thank you for this day that we celebrate your resurrection. You're the living God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all people, God's people shout amen. 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 You may be seated. It says here in verse number 11 that you're washed. It means to be washed fully or have remitted, been remitted of your sins or pardoned. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, it says, And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, the Bible tells us that our sins are washed away. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. That he doesn't even remember them anymore. They're forgiven. They're forgotten. But it's a place where we bury our sins. It says that we're sanctified. Sanctified means to make holy or to set apart. And we are sanctified, verse, or Romans chapter 15, verse 16 says that you should be, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable having having sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So we are sanctified in the Lord when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We cannot of our own selves be holy. Amen. We're in this flesh. Uh, The flesh can do nothing right, right? Paul gives a great illustration of it in Romans when he says, you know, I feel this battle that's going on within me and When I want to do good, I don't do good. I want to do right, but I can't do right. In and of ourselves, 
We cannot be holy, amen? But we can be set apart. We can be uh, dedicated unto the Lord. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, we become sanctified. So we need to have baptism to be washed. We need to have the Holy Spirit in our lives to be sanctified. And it also says there that we are justified. It means to prove or to show to be just, conformable to the law or innocent. So if you're in the court of the law and you've been justified, that means that you've been found that you've been innocent. Amen. And so when we confess our sins, according to John chapter 1, um, it says if we say that we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. There's that word again, deceive. You have to really examine yourself and to look within yourself, amen, to uh, ask, and you need to be asking God, is there any evil way within me? Is there something in my life that I'm doing or that I need to change, amen? Because if we're not careful, we can get into a situation or a place in our lives where we're just being deceived. We're not, we're doing what's not right, and sometimes we don't even realize it, amen? And so he says, uh, we deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, that's repentance, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even in this portion of scripture, we find the basic plan of salvation, of repentance, uh, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not just one scripture that we pick out of the Bible, but it's a it's something that's throughout the whole Bible. It all joins in together. Amen. But that's God's desire for us. What we do in our lives is we we repent. Amen. And then it's the ministry's um, purpose or obligation, if you will, if, after you decide to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And then God and only God can fill you with his presence. Amen. But the promise is unto everyone. Amen. It's for you and uh, it's to whosoever will. Amen. So when we think about the goodness of God and what God's done, it's difficult to explain. And it's even more difficult in the human mind, I think, to comprehend what God has done for us. Amen. To think that the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was the manifestation of God, amen, in the flesh. So he was God that came and died for us. So here we have a God that's in the heavens, holy, no sin in him, all-powerful, um, all holiness belongs to him. And he came and he died for you and I, amen. And uh, we're no good, amen. We are in the flesh. We're just uh, rebellious, sinful, amen. And we're our way off at times. And so God robed himself and dwelt among us to think about how he came and dwelt in our midst, amen, to come and to die for us. But we, this beautiful word that we have, redeemed or redemption by definition is to buy back hallelujah that which once belonged to you in other words we are god's creation sold unto sin through our own dis decisions amen and he has come to buy us back to redeem us 
uh, a ransom is another word for that. And we know that if somebody is kidnapped, amen, and they require a ransom to receive that uh, individual back to them, amen, it's the same thing kind of as redeemed. We've been sold. We sold ourselves into sin, amen, through our decisions. But God has come to redeem us and to buy us back. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. To think that what God has done for us. Amen. And I think it was last Sunday where I talked about, you know, he's more than just our Lord and Savior. You know what I'm saying? We use that as a, a saying, you know, he, Jesus Christ, he's my Lord and Savior. Yes, I understand what that's saying. But sometimes we need to, we need to realize that he's more than that. He is our God as Thomas recognized him and not just somebody that just came and just died for us, but it was God Almighty that came and took our place on the cross. Amen? So he is our Redeemer. Praise the Lord. And they have in the old ancient Israel a law which they called the law of Redeemer. And it was simply this, that land given to families in Israel was to be for a continual inheritance. Amen? They were supposed to be able to possess that forever. Uh, but if a man got into a situation which required him to sell his inheritance, then this law of the Redeemer uh, provided for its restoration. We have a beautiful picture of that in Ruth chapter 4. If you want to turn there, in Ruth chapter 4, we'll read through some of these scriptures. And if you're not familiar with it, we don't have time to cover all of it, but go home and read Ruth chapter 4. It's a great illustration of the law of the Redeemer. Amen. In verse 1, it says, Then went Boaz up to the gate, and he sat him, uh, him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, uh, Such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So here's a man by the name of Boaz. He went to the gate of the city. And this is where they would do, they would conduct their business at the gate of the city. The elders would, would come there, and they would congregate there, and, and they would do uh, things there. So Boaz wanted to buy this uh, piece of land, but there was somebody, he wanted, he wanted to redeem it from Naomi. Uh, but there was another kinsman redeemer that was, um, through the law of, redeem, of the redeemer, he was closer relative uh, to Naomi than Boaz was. So Boaz had to talk to this guy. So he calls, he sees him walking by, he calls him, come, come sit down. And Boaz took 10 men of the elders of the city and said unto them, sit down here. And they all sat down. So they're all sitting here, Boaz, this other redeemer, kinsman redeemer that's there, and him. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again into the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Amalek's. And I thought um, to advise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, then redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know 
for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So Boaz says, okay, we've got everybody here now. We're all sat down. And I want to buy this parcel of land, but you've got the option first, in other words, because you're a closer kinsman. And so this is the setting here. And then Boaz said, um, he said, if you don't want it, I'm going to redeem it. Verse 5, he said, And what day thou buyest the field um, by the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up a name of the dead upon his inheritance. So, in verse 5, we kind of see all the reasoning, really, why Boaz wants to buy this piece of land. He's fallen in love, amen, with Ruth, which is the title of this book. And so he's, that's his alternative motives. Is that what that's called? He said, hey, this land's here. You want it or not? Hey, by the way, Ruth comes along with the land, and uh, do you want it? And as Boaz uh, had his eye on Ruth, okay? So we all understand. Amen. Verse 6, And the kingsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem it, uh, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I can't redeem it. So the other guy declines. He said, I can't do it. You go ahead and do it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and it was a testimony in Israel. So they would pull out their shoe and hand it to him. That was the custom. So verse 8 tells us, Therefore the, kin, the kinsman said unto Boah, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe and gave it to him. Amen. So that's how they kind of signed the contracts back then. So the inheritance that was to be reclaimed must be reclaimed by its original owner or another party provided the redeemer met three qualifications okay so this redeemer could come by and this was to protect the land in israel and that if you sold it and had to get rid of it it would always be there for you to purchase it back if you couldn't but there were three qualifications that came that you had to meet he had to be a near kinsman or relative and we just saw that where Boaz brought this other guy in and said, hey, you're a closer relative, and if you can buy it, you go ahead and buy it. But the guy declined. You had to be able to pay the price to reclaim the inheritance, and you had to be willing to pay the price. Amen? So in verse 6, that we saw that Naomi's relative was not willing to pay the price, so he gave it up. The redemption price was given to Boaz. Amen? So the book of Ruth shows us, as we look through here, about this rede redemption. Of course, it has, you know, illustrations of the coming Redeemer, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. But it also shows, shows us God's divine will. And I just want to stop here and take a moment to talk about that, that the will of God will work through all the joys and the tragedies of life. No matter what life it is, your life, my life, the will of God and the plan of God can work through all of these tragedies and not only tragedies, but joys of life through famine, death, loneliness, amen. 
all these things can actually combine to fulfill God's will in your life. There's not a one of us here today that has not experienced some kind of tragedy, loneliness, sin, problems in our lives. Amen. We think those are things that God has sent against us, so to speak. But in actuality, God is working his will through our life. And I want to remind somebody that doesn't, ma doesn't matter where you are in your life and how bad it may seem. I want you to know that through the plan of God, hallelujah, God has a desire to come unto each and every one of us. Amen. It even works through disobedience because Naomi and her wife, her husband uh, should never have gone to Moab in the first place and left the, the Jewish nation, but they did. And even through obedience, though, we find how this all in God's plan works for them to be able to come closer to the Lord and have a relationship with God. When we look at the original sin, Adam and Eve, in, in, the, in the beginning, if you will, um, in Genesis, the earth was given to them, and they enjoyed an unbroken fellowship with God. They had everything that they could desire. They had all the, the, the rule of the whole garden, and they enjoyed an unbroken fellowship with God. But then what happened? We all know, right? They disobeyed, and they sold out the kingdom. And they became servants of sin, or Satan, if you will, when they were tempted. Romans chapter 6 gives us an illustration of this. Verse 12, let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So this is on the other side of Calvary, after Christ has come to redeem us, amen, that sin does not have dominion over us now. Could you say thank you, Jesus? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? So, okay, so we can just do what we want. He says, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are, and to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being dead made free from sin and become the servants of righteousness. So ever since Adam and Eve sinned, mankind was under this bondage, servitude, if you will, of sin. Until Jesus Christ came, God met with Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had communion, and they were, they were in paradise, and they had rule over all the garden. But then they thought that they could do it on their own, amen, and they decided that they didn't need God, and that's when they found out that they did need God, amen. They were cast from the garden, and they had to struggle with uh, this now uh, under the servitude of this new slave master, which was the devil. How many knows Satan's a terrible slave master, amen? I know because I was once under that bondage, but thank God. For Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Hallelujah. So we were this servant of sin, 
if you will, on the auction block of Jesus comes and redeems us. He purchases back that which is his own. We are God's children, amen? God created us, amen? And he came to buy us back, amen? Even though we didn't want it, even though we didn't ask for it, he came he died for our sins. He came not to be served. He didn't come to be a servant, but he, or come to be served, but he came to be a servant to us and to purchase us, to pay the ransom, if you will, for us. Amen. So, in order to restore mankind to our proper place, Amen. We needed someone to be the redeemer, and we all know today that Jesus Christ is our redeemer. Amen. And so look at the qualifications. He met all the qualification of the kinsman redeemer. First, he had to be a near kinsman. Well, he's our creator, amen? So I would say he's our near kinsman, amen? He, the, uh, Isaiah tells us that he's our heavenly father. Praise the Lord. Hebrews tells us in chapter 2, verse 14, For as much then as you are the children, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, uh, also himself likewise took part of the same. He came in the flesh, that through death he might destroy him that hath power over death, that is the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able also to secure them that are tempted. Amen. He's able to keep us. He's able to deliver us. Amen. Because he was tempted, because he robed himself in flesh, he is rightfully, meets the qualification as the kinsman redeemer because he robed himself in flesh. The Father, amen, our Heavenly Father, amen. Philip asked him one time, he said, you know, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, have I been so long a time with you, Philip, and you have not known me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. So he is our near kings, kinsman redeemer, and he is our creator. Hallelujah. We sold ourselves into sin by disobedience, and Jesus came to purchase us back. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the redemption of Jesus Christ? Let me just put this in here, but you know, Israel... You know, they're still looking for, not all of them, some have accepted the Lord, but they're still looking for the coming of the Messiah, okay? And so that's why that we are waiting for this third temple to be built, because in, if they're still under the old covenant, then they have to be doing sacrifices, blood sacrifices, animal sacrifices for the redemption of sin, because that's, in the Old Testament, it was the, the lamb that was sacrificed at the Passover, and that was for them to be forgiven of their sins. It was a representative of their sins, and they uh, did the blood sacrifice. So, and we all know that Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God, right, which took away the sins of the world, 
But if you haven't, if you're a Jew and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, then your sins have not been remitted even in the natural because there's no temple for them to offer. And so that's why they're so anxious. The traditional Jews are so anxious to build this third temple and they'll start doing sacrifices again. And so that's kind of where we are in this world scene, uh, waiting for some kind of peace agreement in Israel. And Israel, one of these days, is going to start building that third temple. Amen. And that's what we know is being prophetic as to us really understanding that the, comes, the second coming of the Lord is upon us. Amen. But this was the way that they um, would worship the Lord in the Old Testament. And so without that... Um, them accepting Jesus Christ, then there's, they haven't had remission of their sins for the past 2,000 years. But when we accept the Lord, hallelujah, and we claim his promises and we know that he's our redeemer, praise God, we have the remission of sins, hallelujah. And they're not just pushed ahead uh, one year ahead at a time like they were for the children of Israel, but ours have been remitted. We've been bought back. We are the children of Almighty God. Number two, he was able to pay the price because he was sinless, amen. For as much, in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of the lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ? Amen. Hallelujah. It seems like a kind of a vicious or gruesome thing, doesn't it? The blood, but we understand that life is in the blood. Amen. And God came, prepared himself a body, and shed his blood to buy us back. And not only was he able, amen, but he was also willing to pay the price. We serve a good God willing to do that even since i've come to the knowledge of the truth i've not walked all, always in the right way amen and i think i could get a witness with everybody in here we've all made mistakes faults and failures even since we've come to know the power of god in the cross but he still loves us his hand is extended to us amen and romans chapter 5 verse 6 says for when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preaventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. It is finished. Hallelujah is what was said when he died and gave up the ghost that day on the cross that it is finished so totally helpless we're totally helpless man needed a savior redeemer amen when jesus christ died on the cross he paid the price for our salvation there is no reason for anybody sitting under the sound of my voice today to be lost because jesus christ has paid the price hallelujah hallelujah what he's done, he's opened up that possibility to have fellowship with him once again. We can have fellowship with Almighty God. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? 
and through the power of the Holy Ghost, we have dominion over the enemy, amen, over the devil, over this life. Just like Adam and Eve have, they had dominion over the world then. We have dominion over our own world in which we live, amen, through the power of God's presence. And we can have fellowship with Almighty God. Hallelujah. What a great thing. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you can feel the presence of the Lord? It said when it is finished, it said the veil in the temple, the Old Testament temple, the veil covered the place of the holiest of holies where only the high priest could go through once a year. Amen. Into the presence of God. But once Christ died and he said, it is finished, that veil was rent into signifying now that we can all come boldly into his presence. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that we can come into the presence of God. Amen. Aren't you thankful for what God has done for us? Amen. We can have fellowship with him. Can you just lift your hand and thank him right now? God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace and your goodness. For what you've done for us, O oh God, and the power of your resurrection and how you desire to commune with your people. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The ransom has been paid. He did it all for us. It is finished. But we must accept the grace of God and walk in obedience to his word. Just because he died and made a way just doesn't mean that we can do nothing, right? We have to accept the grace of God. Faith without works is dead, being alone. I heard this great illustration. It was by an evangelist it was saying that when he was younger and he was at a youth church camp, him and his buddy decided that night they were going to sneak out and get the golf cart there on the church campgrounds and drive it around. And so they did that. They snuck out and they, they got the golf cart and uh, started. He said it was raining out and the, the tabernacle kind of sat on an incline like this. And he said they would swing around the corner and slide down, you know, and they were having a great time until they got too fast one time. They came down and the golf cart smashed into the front of I think it was the district superintendent's car that was parked there. So they just hopped off the, the uh, golf cart, ran in, and got in bed and covered up. And so it wasn't about 15 min minutes later, the lights came up in the, uh, in the dorm that him and his buddy were sleeping in. And the guy that was over it, one of the youth directors or whatever, was over the camp, came in. He said, he looked right at me. <laughs> and he said... Somebody just drove the golf cart into the district superintendent's car. And the young evangelist just said, uh, well, I'm real sorry to hear about that. <laughs> and he said they kind of questioned him for a while, but he never confessed to it. And then they went back to bed. <clears throat> he said years later, this young man who wasn't an evangelist at that time, but he became an evangelist later. And he was, um, people were having him come and preach. And lo and behold, the young youth director who was over the campground, he'd also become a pastor now. So he invites this young man to come preach at his church. So he's there and he's come preaching. He said he preached the first service and he said all he could think about was that he never really owned up and he had lied to this guy that was now the pastor of the church. And 
he said he, he had a, they had a good service and everything Sunday morning, but he was going to have to preach Sunday night. And he said it was just eating him up, eating him up. So they went out uh, to lunch after the morning worship service, he and the pastor and his wife. And uh, they were sitting there at dinner, and finally the young man said, I got I to confess something to you. He says, you remember that golf cart way back there at the campgrounds? And he said, the pastor and his wife just both started laughing. They said, we were standing in the kitchen watching the whole thing. He said, we forgave you that years ago. <laughs> but here was his thought that he brought out. He said, the mercy and grace had already been extended to him. But he never really had received it until he confessed and repented of his sins. And that's how it is, amen, with the grace of God. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. Hallelujah. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're still responsible to do works. Amen. And we need to have the faith to accept what Christ did for us. And that's to become honest with yourself through repentance and seeking the Lord. God is at work in each and every one of our lives. It is God's will that men should be born again. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, For as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's just saying if we believe on Jesus Christ, he gives us the power to become the sons of God. Amen. And we're born again. And it's not through the will of the blood or the flesh or by the will of man, but it's because God desires us to be born again. Amen. The Spirit is the one that draws a man to Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, 44, no man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Acts chapter 16, verse 14, it says that there was a certain wo a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she that she had attended unto the things which were spoken of, of Paul. So here we find in, in chapter 16 of Acts that the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Amen. It was the Lord who opened her heart. And I just want to say this, that you are not here today by mistake. God's Spirit has drawn you here. You may say, well, I got invited by my neighbor that may be an instrument that God is using to get you under the sound of the Word of God. Amen. But God has brought you here today. Amen. 
And the longer you walk with the Lord and the longer that you try to get close to God, amen, you will become more aware of what God is doing in you and through you, amen. But without a doubt, um, you'll know what God has done for you. When he moves in your life, there's nothing that can take that away from you. And you don't have to have a perfect understanding of everything today. Amen. You don't have to. Nobody does. We're all still trying to, to figure it out and to find more truth in the Word of God. Amen. But the closer we get to God, the more we become aware of what God has done for us. And that's simply He's redeemed us of our sins. Amen. And we'll know that He's changed us. Amen. Uh, we look into John chapter number 9 and we find that there's an example there that a man that was born blind and um, Jesus healed him and the Pharisees and the scribes you know they healed him of this blindness they came to him okay what happened you know what do you tell us how this happened he said well a man by the name of Jesus touched me he said no he didn't do it and he said well yeah he did do it <laughs> and uh, they got his parents and everybody is this man is he born blind he said yeah he was born blind but we don't know how he was healed he can answer for himself you know so they're all questioning this blind man and they said you know this Jesus he's a and I'm paraphrasing of course he's an evil man and uh, and uh, the man says I don't know whether he's evil or not <laughs> he said one thing I know that I was blind but now I see. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we have to accept what God does in our lives. We don't have to have full understanding of it. I remember when I first came into the uh, Pentecostal church and I had received the Holy God. Man, I was just on fire and everything. And my family got all worried about it. You know, you're in some kind of a cult. You know, we used to go. And when I was a little girl, they said, we'd uh, go up and look under the tent and laugh at all those Pentecostals up there making uh, fools of themselves. And she said, you're in a cult. And then they even took me to uh, my old uh, minister. They didn't take me, but they went themselves. And they were talking to him about it. He said, don't worry about it. They said, he's just kind of got a spiritual high. He'll come down after a while. Amen. <clears throat> I'm thankful that that was almost 40 years ago. And it just, it just get higher and higher. <clears throat> We don't have to have perfect knowledge of Jesus to have an experience with him. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. It doesn't have to be all in order. You can be, feel like you're bound by Satan more today than you ever have been before, but I want that's what I'm trying to get across to you. You've been redeemed. <laughs> you just come to the Lord and say, God, to throw it all upon him. He's already redeemed you. He's already paid the price. You can be delivered. You can be forgiven. Amen. Hallelujah. And we now stand in spiritual experiences, and we have these different levels that we go through. And as we work, look backward, we can see how God has been dealing with us for all of our life. And really, as you sit here today, like I said, if you just came, even if you just walked off the street, God's been dealing with you in some way. Amen. And God is still dealing with you, and that's why we're here today. But we have this thing. That when we come into the house of God, we have this thing that uh, we'll call divine discomfort. Amen. And there's a tendency for man to try to do it on himself, all of himself, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Amen. But you really cannot see your own spiritual condition until you get into the presence of the Lord. 
And that's why we here at the First Pentecostal Church, we believe in worshiping the Lord. Amen. Lifting up the name of Jesus. We can't give you anything. We can't do anything for you personally. But as we begin to magnify the name of God and the presence of God moves into this place, amen, then God can do something miraculous in your life, amen. And But to us that are first-timers, and I can rem remember when uh, the it's very uncomfortable, right? You feel uncomfortable in the presence of God and His people. You remember being uh, miserable during the preaching of the Word of God, <laughs> just waiting for a time to either exit or get to that altar is the best thing. But divine discomfort is simply conviction. It's making one conscience of your guilt and your position with God. Amen. And we all come to that place of conviction. It's important for us to act on that conviction. Because it doesn't last very long. It'll, it'll be gone. You may get convicted and, and God move upon you. And by the time you get to the car, it can leave you unless you act upon it. Amen. But it's that conviction. Amen. And we need to realize that the scripture defines sin as transgression of the law. Just simply disobedience to what the word of God is saying. And it tells us that we must repent. And that God has the power to forgive your sins. Amen. He's already done it. He's already given you mercy. Just like that evangelist, he'd already been given mercy and forgiveness. He just needed to accept it. But if we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what Calvary is all about today, my friends. He said, this is my blood, and he's taking communion with his disciples. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Revelations tells us, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kingdoms of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Praise God. And Romans chapter 2 tells us that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Amen. But this today, <clears throat> asking us what we need to do, Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, it says, Let us draw nigh, draw near to God with a true heart. Verse 23 tells us, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Amen. It says, let us draw unto him with a true heart. That's what God's looking for. Somebody just to be honest with him. Because the, the, the truth of the matter is he already knows. <laughs> he already knows. Amen. Exactly what's here going on. I can remember when I was dating Sister Richie and her mom would always stand at the door as we leave. She said, remember, God's got an all-seeing eye. <laughs> Thanks for ruining everything for tonight, you know. But God knows everything. Amen. Why is it that we try to hide things? We, I mean, we try to hide it from our uh, family. We try to hide it from our pastor. We try to hide it from our friends, you know. And you can do that, but you're not hiding it from God. He wants us to draw nigh with a true heart. Amen. But this is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. He did not just die for us, but he rose again. Hallelujah. 
not only have we been redeemed and bought back, but we don't have to worry about death, hell, or the grave. Amen. Because Jesus Christ conquered it all. He's alive. Amen. The old song says, uh, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Hallelujah. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Let me close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Everybody say gospel. Gospel. Which is preached unto you, which also you have received, and therein you stand. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, that how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again. Hallelujah. The third day, according to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Christ died, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't this interesting? He said in that it was seen of Peter, then to the 12. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remaineth unto this present. But some have fallen asleep, or some have died. After that, he, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And at last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. This is Paul writing, and he said, after the death... And his resurrection, he appeared to all these people, 500 of brethren at once. Amen. The truth, we can go back in history and find that 11 of the 12 apostles died by martyrdom. And they gave up their lives for this thing. And they all said that they died alone. To think about that. They gave up their lives. They were alone. They weren't all together in a room and decided they were just going to die for the Lord. These were men that were out doing the work of the Lord and they all died for the Lord, and they were alone. Amen. That's the biggest proof of this gospel. They had seen something. Amen. After the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, when Jesus appeared to them. Amen. And he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to give you my spirit. And that's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Which we have today. And he says, if that same spirit that dwelt in Christ dwells in you, in that last day, it's going to raise you up just like it did Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the redeeming power of Almighty God? Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning.